Good morning. Yes. Uh, listen, uh, I know all of you. I've been here for three years. By the way, my name is Brian. I'm a student pastor. I'm well aware. You guys know I was born and raised in Alabama. I'm an Alabama fan. I get it. And still, y'all allow me to work here. I think that's grace upon you guys. I commend you for that. I do every day. So I'm not going to make any, any Alabama jokes. I mean, I was watching the game last night, and, and I thought, we may lose to Georgia, and I was fine with that. It's, I told myself, it's, like, it's not like you're getting beat by Kentucky, you know, <laughs> so, I, okay, that's the only joke I have, it's the only joke I have, all right, I'm done. Um, I thought I was preaching last week, sent it out to the students, encouraging them all to be here, sent Tammy my notes uh, at like 1 a.m., I was up to 2 a.m. last Saturday night just looking over everything, and Tammy Messaged me back and was like, why did you send me your notes? And I'm like, because I'm preaching tomorrow. And she's like, no, you're not. You're preaching next week. And this message is on patience. And I'm reminded of how horrible I am with patience. And I talked to God about this driving down my car. I was like, there's got to be someone else um, that is good as patience. I, I think of, of Lynn, who's my boss, who has to put put up with me, I think he has outstanding patience But me. I mean, it, it just, I kept asking God why, and sometimes that's not the best thing to do, and I was like, God, why me? I mean, I'm born of an Irish family. We have short tempers. I get mad a lot. I just, you know, patience is not something you're going to see when, when the Lord takes me home. There isn't going to be a group of you standing in a circle. It's like, you know what? That Brian guy as annoying of an Alabama fan he is, he was full of patience. And I know that. So I've been praying, and, and God reminded me, though, because that song that we just sang, or song, uh, Broken as my life may be, I will give you every piece. And the part that kept going through my head was, uh, here I am with open arms, counting on your grace again. And through some complications I've been dealing with for the last couple of months, I, I've, God reminded me, literally every day I pull up here or, or every day at home, I've been saying a prayer. It's the same prayer. God, help me to be an example for you because in my current human flesh, I'm afraid that I may not be. Either I'm going to grumble or complain or snap or something. So I'm reminded this thing about patience, it's not a human thing. We have to live this way only through the Holy Spirit. So let me read to you what James tells us in James chapter 5. If you don't have it, it will be up on the screen for you. Verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the worship that we just had, the people that you've given the gifts to to lead us in worship. Lord, may we just focus on what you have to teach us today to take this word and apply it to our lives. And we know that we cannot do that without your help. So may we fully rely on you and trust in you. Thank you for your son, Jesus, for it's in his name we pray. Amen. Last week, Justin set it up well. All the believers, fellow believers in this passage, and you know that James is writing to believers because he uses his brothers several times in this passage. They were being oppressed by the rich. We've seen that last week. Uh, they were working and they were withholding wages from them. Some wouldn't get wages at all. Like They had a reason to complain and grumble. And we're never more dangerous than we when we feel justified to have a reason to be angry, mad, or to grumble and complain. That's when we're best and that's when patience is out the door. When we feel like we've been wronged and we're angry and mad, I don't know about, I'm sure none of you, I'm just, just me, I complain a lot. If I feel like I've been wronged or, or I feel like, okay, I'm right, they're wrong, it leads to the worst of who I am. And this is what was going on here. And when I think about patience and how little of it that I have, I was reminded normally, if we're honest, we fit into one of these four areas that I'm going to read to you. And I'm just asking you to be honest, to ask yourself, which one of these four do you fall into when you're dealing with patience as far as in the midst of suffering in your life? So here's one of the four ways we handle suffering. One, fix it. This is, this is my downfall. These are the people eager to find a resolution, whether they're dealing with their own issues and particularly when they're listening to the problems of others. They just want to find a way to fix it. Patience is out the door. As soon as somebody's telling, me, telling us our issues in our mind, we're, we're thinking of ways to just fix their problems. And when we have a problem, we're constantly thinking about the way that we can fix it. So we have the fix-it people that I'm a part of. Two, forget it. This group of people are the opposite end of the spectrum of the fix-its. They run from their problems. They're content to sweep the dirt under the carpet and just move on. Three is fake it. This group of people didn't arrive here quickly. Perhaps they first tried attacking their suffering. And when that didn't work, they tried to forget it. But certain issues can't be forgotten. And so they just fake it. They put a smile on and just pretend everything is okay. The bad thing about it is I'm probably a lot of one and a probably a lot of three. And four, we have folded the group. This group just folds their cards and wallows in self-pity. And in some cases, suffering actually becomes a crutch that somehow helps them to feel okay about themselves. So which one of those do you fall into or you find yourself slipping into? So I'm asking you what you tend to do in the midst of your suffering. None of these are great options. None of them are good. But James offers us an alternative. He says, be patient. And when I seen that and I read that and I was studying that, it's like, God, this is easier said than done. Be patient. Like I said, this is not the way of our flesh. This is 100% a spirit-led thing. So James points to three examples of patience. The patience of the farmer, the patience of the prophets, 
in the patience of Job. But before we look at those, I want to tell you the exact definition of patience, which is the capacity to accept or tolerate, delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Or as one writer said, patience is not the ability to wait, but the ability to keep a good attitude while waiting. And I don't know how many of you deal with this, but I think we all can fall into this category where we can learn to be more patient. And the word that James uses for patience is macrothemia. And macrothemia is made up of two words. Macros, which means long, and themias, which means temper. Jesus Christ is the ultimate, ultimate example of macrothemia. He was verbally and physically abused. He was spat on. He was falsely accused. He was beaten. He was nailed to a cross. And not only did he suffer greatly and not retaliate, not grumble, not complain, he even asked God to forgive those who persecuted him. See, I can't wrap my mind around that. Like when I was in the ship in the Navy and I was floating in the middle of the Mediterranean and I was trying to figure out what I want to put in my faith in, I looked at the example of Jesus Christ and I had friends and I knew people who have given their life to Jesus, but I just couldn't wrap my mind around how could this man, even, even part God, how could he walk this road where he did it voluntarily, first of all, but then he gets the crown of thorns. And then I'm, as I'm reading, he is spat upon and he's beaten. And they started making fun of him and they ridiculed him and all these things. And then hanging on the cross, the thing that I looked at that just amazed me was when God turned his back, when Jesus had the weight of the whole world, past, future, present sins, crushing him is what Isaiah describes it as, crushing him. I'm like, how? How does he look down at the very people who were responsible for everything, every pain, every tear, everybody abandoned him, even the father in this second? How does he look down, full of patience, and say, God, forgive them? They know not what they do. That's not the example. We, well, I don't want to put you. That's not the that's not the best example I have of myself when people have wronged me. There are times in the flesh where I have just been outright evil. I want revenge, and we feel good about it. We just don't like saying it out loud. We don't like to come to grips with it. But when somebody's wronged me, the first thing when somebody wrongs me, the first thing I do is the complaining part, right? So James says, don't, don't complain, don't grumble. But first thing I do is, is I start complaining. And then it used to be so bad early in my life, if you didn't agree with me, I would get mad at you too. That's, that's how things implode from the inside out. You ever see it at a workplace? You never see how the enemy just calculates. The enemy is so sure that we're so bad at patience. He sets up this environment. We take the bait every time. If we have something against one worker, we don't keep that to ourselves. We don't patiently pray about that. Walk with me here, guys. Y'all know it's just not me. It can't just be me. If it is, I am desperate need of so much prayer. I'm like the worst human on earth. In our workplace, one person just offends us, and we directly... We have so little patience. We go to who we know our ally will be. And we're like, can you believe so-and-so? So the complaining starts. The grumbling starts. We throw the Bible out the window. We don't even remember what James said in chapter 5. It just feels good. 
We call it getting it off our chest, right? And we want our ally to be with us. Did you see so-and-so? They, this is who they are. This is who they are. And we want our ally so bad because we're so, we don't have patience. We want that ally to say, you're right. They're horrible. And so the seed is planted. Patience is gone. We don't look at the people we have issues with and pray for them. Come on, man. We don't stop and just say, okay, God, only by your spirit. This person has wronged me in my eyes. I feel that's how it is. But I want to rely on the patience that you've given me through the spirit. So I'm going to pray for them because the ultimate example of Macrothemia was you hanging on the cross and the love and the compassion and the mercy, mercy that you had on everyone that day and everyone who was going to disobey you and ignore you in the future. I'm saying, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. I don't know. Maybe the person that wronged you just had a bad day. Maybe they're dealing with something that you don't know about. I don't know what the story is, but it, it is worth looking into that, you know what, maybe they're not just the only one that's wrong in the situation because if you grumble, you complain, you retaliate, you want revenge, you spread the gossip, we're all in the same boat. We're no better. There's nobody turning to God in these situations. So James says, here are three examples I want you to follow. And first was the patient of the farmer. Look at... Look at our passage in 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's come and see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. Farmers, we all know, are hardworking, and yet there is so much about farming that is beyond their control. They have no control once they plant the crops. Once they put the crops in the ground, they have zero control if they are going to pop up or not. Why? Because they need rain, and they have zero control over the weather. And so the farmer waits for the rain. It's not that there's nothing to do, but without the early and the late rains, there will be no crop to harvest. And so they must learn to wait. And they learn to trust that the rains will come in their due time. And maybe that is you today. Maybe you have been praying about a situation. Maybe you have been patient, but your patience is starting to run out. The person isn't doing as good as you think they should do. The, this person that you have issues with is just, it's just not happening fast enough. Maybe the coworker that you're training is not up to speed faster than you want them to be. Maybe it's something. I don't know. Maybe it's church drama. I know that doesn't exist in the United States of America. I get church drama doesn't exist. We know that. Never been anybody in this place right here that's ever had a problem with anybody else that goes to church here. Right? I so hope you don't have a problem with me because you're thinking right now, I can't even stand you and you're talking. <laughs> that would be bad, right? I mean, I could feel it, right? I could feel like God talking to you. It's like, you don't even like the guy on stage. It's okay. I don't like you. No, I'm just kidding. I love all of you. But the patience. God is saying, learn to wait as the farmer does. God is not in the business of 
hey, you know what? I'm going to run off your schedule. I created you in my image, but you're the boss, and I absolutely I'm going to run off your schedule. So every time you ask for me or something, I'm just going to go ahead and give it to you. Even it may not be good for you. We just have this huge problem of God being the boss, so we just throw patience out the door. Well, I don't want to wait on God. I want to do all this myself. And usually what happens is just a huge mess. It may not be a mess at that moment. You may have thought you have fixed the issues, but down the road, God teaches you a lesson that you should have just waited on me. So the farmer learns to trust that the rains will come and their door provides. And James calls us to follow the way of the farmer and to be patient. God, I don't have the answers. I don't have the strength. I don't know what to do. So all I know is to be obedient to you and I'm just going to wait. But I need your help in this. So that's the first example. The second example is the patience of the prophets. As you go down in verse 8, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, an example of patience in the face of suffering. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. He specifically, James specifically reminds us that we consider the prophets because they are considered blessed by God. And this should be encouragement to any believer in here this morning that believes that your suffering is punishment from God. James would fully disagree. The prophets were faithful men who, because of their obedience to God, suffered. One example of great patience was Moses. He wandered in the wilderness, had to endure a complaining and grumbling people, and yet he remained their leader. Another example was Daniel, who was thrown in the lion's den because he defied Darius' edict to stop worshiping God for 30 days. Who could ever forget Elijah's faithfulness to God, who was chased by Jezebel, who wanted him dead for executing 450 prophets of Baal? And then there's Isaiah, who never stopped sharing God's prophecies, even though tradition has it that this led him to be sawed in two. And finally, who could ever forget the patience of the weeping prophet Jeremiah, who despite being put into stocks, thrown into prison, lowered into a miry cistern, never stopped pleading with Israel to repent and God to not destroy them. James is encouraging the fellow believers here and us through the prophet's example of patience and persecution to realize that they too can choose not to grumble or blame each other, but instead rejoice that God viewed them worthy to let their light shine in such great darkness. Here we are. This is a time we all can relate to because here we are in the middle of a pandemic. We don't know the end. We, don't, we have not a clue of what the answer is to all of this. The enemy wants separation, so he has caused great separation. Everything's in play. Divorces are happening at a high rate. I didn't know that. I was reading it the other day, and I was like, husbands and wives are spending more time together, and like divorce rate is up. And I'm like, is that not backwards? Shouldn't it be the... Because how many times, I've never heard anybody on their deathbed. I've never heard a story of anybody on their deathbed saying, God, I pray that you give me more money. God, I, I pray that you give me 
this life insurance policy take? I never hear any of that. The stories I hear is, God, I wish I had more time with my wife. Or, God, I wish I had more time with my kids. But when we get that time, we're not patient with it. We just complain about it. God, I've had too much time with my wife. And I don't want to go to prison. This is not personal. This is not me. <laughs> my wife's sitting there thinking, oh, I know this, how this feels. Right? I had to put up with you. If you're hard of hearing and you didn't hear that, good. Just ignore it. Um, <laughs> I feel the same. Here's the thing, but I know. <laughs> so we get this time with our kids. Our kids come back from college. Our kids are out of school. And, and we're like, oh, my gosh, I got to homeschool my kid. Everybody's homeschooled now, right? We, we don't have it. The, the, the field's level. I don't, I'm gonna, I've heard people say, I'm going to throw my kid out a window if school don't start back. And I'm like, that's extreme. And they're like, well, you haven't been at my house. I'm like, and I don't want to be at your house. But that's how little patient we have. And we never look that God has given us this opportunity to shine through the darkness. Now, I read an article the other day that churches are suffering across America because now people aren't really coming back to church. So what happens now is people aren't serving in church. And so you know the enemy's just got to be laughing. And like, these people are easy. So we have divorce rates, friendships, churches suffering. Everybody's suffering. Because we don't know how to be patient and we can't look at, we can't even stop for a second to look at through things through God's eye and view that this opportunity we have is that we're worthy like the prophets that God is allowing us to let our light shine in such great darkness. I get the fear, I get all everything that's going on, but listen guys, eventually... In this world, not in this country, in this world, we have to get to a place of patience enough to say, you know what, maybe God is in control. So that's the patience of the prophet. The last thing he gives us was the patience of Job. and It's one of my favorite books. I encourage his students every time, please read the book of Job. I had one student come to me, and this is what he said, true story. Hey, man, uh, listen, I read that uh, book of Job, and it reminded me that I didn't have one, so I just stopped reading it. <laughs> I was like, it's Job. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, the book, it's Job. He's like, oh, it is? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, I don't have a Job either. He's funny. He's of the Old Testament be written. And isn't it interesting that one of the oldest books of the Bible is about suffering? And here's the lesson. Our suffering is nothing new. This pandemic, the current state of our country, the politics, the ugliness, sometimes we're tempted to believe that we're living in the worst possible time in the course of our history and no one has encountered suffering like us. James would tell us to get it our heads out of our class because every generation and all of Satan has faced some measure of suffering. Despite being blameless and upright, fearing God, shunning evil, God allowed Satan to afflict Job with as much suffering as possible without taking his physical life. 
After the Sabians took his ox and his donkeys, the fire of God burned up his sheep. A mighty wind collapsed the house, killing his sons and daughters. And having received painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head, Job's response was, may the name of the Lord be praised. And we read that and we're like, okay, God, I'm, maybe, we're not, maybe we're not the ones who are suffering the most. Suffering has always always existed even when Job's wife advised him to curse God and die he did not and his friends tried to convince him that his calamities were a result of his sin Job remained steadfast his belief that God is in control and despite allowing these horrendous calamities to happen to a righteous man God was still Job's portion what is your portion in the midst of your suffering, I'm asking you, what is your portion? Is, is it to try to speed things up, to try to get out of the control of God, to have the answers, to try to fix it, to try to ignore it, to fake it? But in the end of Job's story, through his patience, he received a double portion of what he started out with. You want to know what your Yours and my portion will be, our double portion. Do you know what that will be? Through the midst of suffering and when we learn to be patient, when we rely on God, eternity. We can't wrap our minds around it. The message I preached a few months ago, I, I was challenging the students to just stop and think a little bit about heaven. Think about everything we're going through. Think about the tears and, and, and all the divorce that's going on and the ugliness and the pain and the politics and the social media that's ridiculous. All these things that's going on and this chaos in the world. Do you understand that one day this is all going to cease? There will be no more abuse, as I heard this morning. There will be no more divorce or pain or tears or scars or anything else. One day, this is going to cease. And if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, I mean, you're in control of my life. Forgive me my sins. I repent of them. I want to follow you and you lead. One day, you're going to leave this world. And you're going to step into eternity. And you're going to look back and you're going to be like, it was worth it. Every, every pain, every tear, every heartbreak, everything that's going on, it was worth it. Do you understand? And we don't think about this enough. It can't be just me. Do you understand that one day you will leave this and you will get to ask Job himself, how in the world did you have patience during everything that was taken away from you? Do you get it? Do you get that one day you're going to ask Peter, can you just describe to me you walking on water and sinking? That one day that you're going to be sitting beside Jesus? And we're not going to have the words. My thought is we're just going to say thank you. Jesus, I'm the most impatient person that there is. But yet, you led me and you gave me this 
responsibility to, to be a light in the midst of darkness and even in my own suffering. I failed you so many times. And Jesus is going to look at you and said, that's why I said from the cross, forgive them. Stop thinking them as the people that's right there at that point. That's only a portion of them. Them concludes us. As the band comes back to the stage, part of remaining steadfast and establishing our heart comes out in the words we speak. But above all, verse 12, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or earth by any other oath. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. We don't deal with our suffering by making empty declarations. We are called to wait patiently for the Lord, and we stand firm with the strength that God gives us. So if you're here this morning, and you're like me, and you're like, oh my goodness, I am the one. Maybe, maybe it's just been today. Maybe it's been this morning. I don't know. Maybe you threatened divorce this morning. I don't know. It seems to happen every time we get ready for church, right? Just constant chaos in the home. It's not as simple as just asking your wife, hey, where do you want to eat? Oh, it don't matter. It matters. I'm so stupid. I learned that lesson a long time ago, 20 years. Listen, maybe today you need God's help. I am bad at this. I have complained. I have grumbled. I have brought other people into this. And this is this morning. This is your opportunity to just lean back. In God's arm and says, okay, I'm sorry. I'm horrible at patience. And I realized this morning, I can't do this without you. And God, I need, to, I need your help moving forward. It's time of response. And if that's you and you just need to pray while you're standing or singing, I'd ask you to do that. This is time between you and God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that the ultimate example, Lord, on the cross forgive them for they don't know what they do Lord the patience that you showed the example that you gave and are still given every time we open your word Father we know we fall short but God the hope we have is your Holy Spirit to correct us to lead us to make apologies to repent all those things Father I pray that's us this morning because I would dare to say I'm not alone this morning with lack of patience may we rely on you Maybe we be like the farmer, the prophets, and Job. Wait on you. We love you and we praise you. For it's your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.